You all know I have been very excited about getting to gather our brave moms together and have the series again. I did not seek out these these two episodes back to back here to be so similar in theme, but you're going to find that this one again is about addiction. This is from the perspective of a sister who is a sister of an addict. In fact, that's what her blog is called. But the cool thing, after I recorded these interviews, and I recorded them back to back a couple weeks ago, is that Rebecca's story, which was last week's episode, episode 79, had the theme of hope with it. And so much hope is what really got Rebecca through her dark time. And in this episode with Brittany, she talks about love and how that got her through and just rediscovering what love of someone that she couldn't understand really would mean and what love from her savior meant in her life and still means. And I think the really cool thing there is that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, you all know this one, Paul says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And I think it is so amazing that God speaks through Paul to tell us that the graces of faith and hope and love towards God and our fellow humans is so superior to the other virtues and spiritual gifts that we can have and that we must focus on these. So to talk to Rebecca and Brittany and dive into their hearts and let them just be so willing to share this and then see that these virtues are what got them through. And of course, their faith, because they both talk about that so much, just confirms what God knows to be true for us is that we we need these virtues. We need to discover them in our lives so clearly and really come face to face with them to really know fully what God desires for us to become closer and closer to him and and what he wanted when he created us. I just think that is so cool to see here. And when you listen to Brittany's story, you guys, it's amazing. You will, you will just feel your perspective towards someone struggling with an addiction just change completely when you hear her story. I hope that you will really, um, just, Take time to take it all in and and try to put yourself in that position, although it won't be hard because Brittany does a beautiful job just bringing you into her heart. I also hope that you will share this with somebody you know. Maybe you don't even know if they have ever dealt with addiction, the face of it, or anything. But just that you will share this episode because I know that people are going to benefit so much from all these lessons and whether they're facing somebody with this or not you know we all come across this in someone on the street or someone at the grocery store or wherever it might be 
and we need to see it from a different point of view. And this is just such a great way to do it through someone else's story. I can't wait for you guys to hear from my next guest, my next brave mom, Brittany Young. She has been married for six years. She currently lives in Nashville, Tennessee with her three boys, ages five, four, and two. Brittany has a nursing degree, but she is currently a stay-at-home mom. She is one of 13 kids and lost her baby brother to addiction 18 months ago. She also still has a brother suffering from addiction as well. Her mission is to spread awareness about addiction while also sharing how and what changed her heart from choosing anger to feeling love. How putting God first allowed her to see the world, others, and herself differently. Thank you for taking your time today to sit with us together, brave moms. Come along, friend. Let's grow. Welcome to families that stick together to step right over the random pile of clothes where it looks like all my kids melted, turn right past the pile of papers still out from last month's school project, maybe don't look at the sink, and make yourself at home, friend. This is where our family of six hangs out. It's where our real life happens. Stay long enough to be reminded of what we both already know, that swimming upstream is not without much work and grace, but it does come with friends who are rooting you on just as fiercely as the way you love your strong family. We work together here as friends so we can get to the end knowing we did well. Come along with us to gather together to grow through it all. Welcome, friend, with your laundry, your running shoes, or your cup of coffee. I can't wait to spend my time with you. I think in our culture, we need to talk more about bravery. We need to talk more about moms being brave. I have a big um, belief that we moms are what's going to change the world and what continues to change the world. I think God has put a special anointing on mothers and our families to raise our families according to what he wants and desires for our children and the way he desires for the world and his creation that he made. And I think that moms have a special calling to stand up in today's world and be brave and courageous and for everybody that that's a different story to tell. Right. And, um, I, I wanted this series to be around Joshua, the book of Joshua. And I did this last year at Christmas time and I, I wanted to do it again. And I had thought about pulling out another, another story in the Bible of being courageous. And I may do that in the future, but I just think the book of Joshua is so beautiful here. This, this leader had stood by Moses side and watched God work in his life and maybe thought he might be called, but you know, when it was time, God was like, here, it's your time to go. I'm calling you to this. And I know it's, it's going to be tough, but here's my command to you is be strong and courageous. And I think 
so much of our lives and journeys as any human being, but especially as mothers, has so much weight with it when we're called to be strong and courageous because we're also leading our families. And so everything that comes our way, we have a choice to say yes and, and go with the call or ignore the call. And Brittany, I followed you on social media and I know that you have a very brave story to tell and one that you would not have chosen to be called to, but you were. And I know that so many people can be inspired by just hearing from you and your heart and whatever you're comfortable sharing and whatever you feel God is leading you to share with people. So the stage is yours and I'd love for you to just go where you feel led right now. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm very, very humbled. Um, Addiction has transformed my life from the inside out. And I was 18 years old when we first learned that my older brother was suffering from addiction. And I think, I hate to admit what my first emotion was. It was embarrassment. But if I'm being honest, I think at 18, you're so naive. You don't fully grasp what addiction means. And you, I don't know, portray it like what you see in the movies, like these bottom feeders who are stealing and I thought maybe people would look at my brother that way or look at me that way. And so I was very embarrassed um, for my family. Addiction, oftentimes I relate it to somebody in your family being diagnosed with a uncurable illness and you're diagnosed with them. This isn't something that you sit on the sidelines and watch. Like You are now at war with them. So we came together as a family. We all united, locked arms. We came up with a treatment plan for my brother. We were taking him to rehab. And I think in your naive mind, um, at least at 18, and probably most of my family at that time, because this was all new to us, we thought, okay, rehab, that's the answer, right? You're going to go, you're going to get treatment, you're going to come home, and we're going to carry on with life. And we all quickly learned that when he came home, it was just relapse after relapse after relapse. And with each relapse, I just became more angry because now you were choosing this. Like you came home, you were better. Now you're making these choices to continue this lifestyle. And I just began to feel and live the effects of addiction. As a sibling, I felt very overshadowed. You know, you crave your parents' attention and they want to give it to you, but they are also running after their lost son. And because of that, I started building resentment. And looking back, my parents absolutely were doing the right thing. It reminds me of the story of the prodigal son and they should have been running after him. But I think in a very selfish 18, 19, 20 year old mind, you're like, hello, but I'm doing all the right things. Like, don't you see me? And I think that was around the time, like, I just kind of emotionally disconnected. It was like, you're choosing this. All right, I'm done. I have like nothing left to offer. And so I, I think where I started to spiral with anger was when I learned my younger brother was now suffering with addiction, with heroin addiction. 
And learning that hit so much differently. I think because for one, he was my baby brother and we had that bond. And for two, he was on the sidelines with me. He knew that pain, what that pain felt like for the people on the outside. And I couldn't fathom how he could choose that same path. So I, I truly believe that's when I just developed this cold heart and judgment towards my brothers, towards addicts in general. And it started to seep in my everyday life, how I handled friendships, relationships, my marriage as a mother, it consumed me. And I think really, truly my journey on healing began with our move to Nashville three years ago. And I remember I came home, my husband and I had just bought what we thought was our forever home in Indianapolis, came home from work. I had one baby on my hip, another one in a car seat. We were probably in that house for like three months at the time. And my husband was like, so what do you think about Nashville? And my first response was, if they can get me as far away from this family drama, like I'll pack up tonight. But then the other part of me was like, that's my family. I can't leave my family. My family needs me. Even though I wasn't really too involved with my brother, I was still, you know, talking to my mom every day, talking to my sisters, talking to my dad. I was trying to be emotional support to them. And so ultimately my husband, bless his heart, he was like, okay, like I hear you. I I understand and respect where you're at emotionally right now in life. So if this isn't something you're comfortable with, we won't go. So I gave it a few days and I really had to get real with myself. And I've always considered myself to love Jesus so much and have what I consider faith, but I don't think I ever really truly like gave God my all, if that makes sense. So I had to get real with myself. And I was like, all right, Brittany, if you can come up with another reason other than fear for not moving to Nashville, then you won't go. And like, I couldn't come up with another reason. I felt in my heart that this was something that we needed to do as a family. My husband had supported me through college, through new career, and it was time for me to support him in this new role. So we moved to Nashville and I was hoping that this would bring some sort of peace, if you will, giving some distance between me and my brothers, but I was quickly proven wrong. Um, I just felt myself growing more angry. I was lonely. I was in a new city with two babies, and then we had just found out we were pregnant with our third. Um, My husband was working every day. I was by myself and just constantly asking God, why? Why? Why is this me? I'm trying to do everything right. And this is my life. I am consumed. Every conversation I have is about addiction or my brothers. I would go to the store and see somebody holding a sign on the street corner and immediately would turn my head and discuss. Like I would think, gosh, like you you chose this path. At one point in your life, you made a sober decision and this is where you're at. And now you're begging and That's just, I I hate that that's where I was at, but it is where I was at. And then one day I was loading my boys up in the van, had a big old pregnant belly, put the groceries in the car and I hear this voice behind me and I turned around and it was another woman. She had a big belly and she was putting her little boy in a car 
and she was in the market for a van and she was interested in my van and um, had a few questions. And next thing I know, we were just standing there in the middle of the parking lot and like just acting like we had always been friends. We exchanged numbers and scheduled a play date for like the following week. She came over and there was just something about her. I can't explain it. Um, She just has this contagious personality. And we just sat on my couch and started chatting. And next thing I know, we're talking about Jesus. And like, I kind of felt uncomfortable at first, not talking about Jesus, but just like this wrestling, like, I don't know, I can't explain it. Just like a wrestling inside. And next thing I know, she's praying over me and with me and listening to my story. And she left and I was just like, what? just happened to me. (laughs) And I think that that is like the first time I felt I allowed myself to feel God. And I felt like it was him saying, all right, girl, if you're not going to seek me, I'm going to pursue you. And if you are not going to read my written words, then you are going to hear my words through her. And she was the answer to my unspoken prayer. She was my friend. And I didn't know that that was even what I needed until he gave me her. And so we just kept in touch on a regular basis. And I think she could sense that I felt lost. And she was so kind and took my hand and just little by little gave me these resources, showed me, reminded me of who I really was in God's eyes and that we are all deserving of love. And it was like, I don't want to say this change happened overnight. It took, it definitely took time, but I could feel myself little by little every time I would pick up a devotion or listen to a worship song or just conversations through people. I could hear him. It was like, I was finally allowing myself to truly hear him. And at this time, things were really bad um, with my younger brother. It was just overdose after overdose after overdose. And there was one night, it was um, at three o'clock in the morning, my phone rings and it was my dad. And I just knew like, gosh, okay. Um, so he had just called 911. He heard Christian struggling to breathe in the other room. and so called 911, he overdosed, they sent him to the hospital. And I think that that was the moment just hearing my dad sob and just realizing like, gosh, if my dad wasn't there, like that would have, that would have been the moment I would have lost him. And what was even the last thing I've even said to my brother? Like, does he know he's loved? And it killed me. So that point moving on, I realized addiction is not a choice. And for so long, I was believing that it was. I was able to truly look at my brother after like the third overdose in a row and realize like, gosh, he must be that broken where he's willing to risk his life for a moment of feeling somewhat normal. He must be that broken. And then I was able to look at my older brother and I hated him for so long from walking away from his wife and his children for a substance, but I was able to look at it differently. Like, gosh, addiction must be that powerful 
that one could walk away from unconditional love just to feel a moment of what he was a moment of I don't know the word I'm looking for um I don't want to say pleasure but he was trying to feel normal and that's what that substance could give him and even if it was just for a moment and it was just like my my aha moment that my brothers were truly sick and they weren't doing this out of meanness towards us. I think I was finally in an emotional state where I could look at them and see that this was not a choice. I think after that incident with my brother, I knew in my heart that we, we needed to talk. And it had been months and months, probably close to a year, if I'm being honest, that we had even spoken at that time. So I was going home to visit my parents and he, my brother Christian, he was there and it was kind of awkward. Um, he's just this, he's my little brother, but he's this big, tall, big boned, big guy. And he, there's this way about him. I guess I should kind of give like a backstory on him. He has the biggest heart and loves Jesus with all of his might from being in diapers. Like he didn't want the GI Joes. He wanted all the little Jesus figures from the Bible or from the Christian bookstore. And to know him was to love him. And if you met him and you didn't know Jesus, he was going to tell you about Jesus. And if you didn't know you were loved, he was going to tell you Jesus loved you and he was going to love you. And I think that part of him, when I was so consumed with being angry, pushed me away, I feel like, even more, because I looked at him like a hypocrite. Like, don't tell me about Jesus when you're doing this. Like, don't come at me like that. And that pushed me, that put a wedge between us, more so than me and my older brother. So anyways, when we were at my mom's, he came up with that big, like, grin and put his arm around me and I was like, hey, I was like, hi. And it was just like everything I ever felt towards him, like just washed away. And it was the first time since we were probably children that when I hugged him, I was like, oh my gosh, I love you so much. Like I felt like I, it was my baby brother again. And it was awesome. And I'll always cherish that. And that was the last time that I spent time with him. Um, so a few months later, after that, he overdosed again. Um, I got another phone call, three o'clock in the morning. And you get those and you just immediately know, like I'm probably, this might be the call. And so I, I'm answering, I immediately like turn on my coffee because I know my day has started. And it was somebody that my brother was with. And he was like, hey, um, I just want to let you know that I have Christian, will you call your mom and dad and just let them know, like, he's okay. He, I found him out in his truck sleeping. And I, in my heart, I was like, oh gosh, he is not sleeping. Like, this is not good. And I begged for that person to call 911. I was like, you don't understand. Like, he's struggling with addiction. I don't have a good feeling about this. And they were like, no, 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 listen, listen, he's just snoring. And I could hear him. Um, I could hear him gasping for air. And I was like, no, please, like, please call 911. And they were very adamant, like, 
no, like everything is fine. So at three in the morning, I am trying to Google search where this person lives. And I call the local police in Indianapolis and beg them to find my brother's truck. And luckily he has this big UK decal on the back of his truck. So like you couldn't miss him. I was like, please find his truck. I, I know he's not okay. So I hung up and I sat there and I prayed like I have never prayed before and begged God, like, save him and I will do whatever it takes to help him because I don't want to lose him. And 30 minutes go by and I get a call from the police and they were so kind and they were able to revive him. Um, within two minutes of getting there, he went into cardiac arrest and he never even responded to the Narcan. Um, they had to do CPR and they were able to revive him. And I just felt, I just hit my knees and praise God, like, we get one more chance. We get one more chance to help him. And I was so involved in his plan of care after that. And we, I called my parents one day, like we were even thinking about maybe getting him in a rehab out of state. So I was, I had a friend helping me here, try and um, establish some places to call. And I called my dad and he was at my dad's house. And I was like, can I talk to him? And he was in my dad's bed in a dark room, just shut off from the world but he did agree to talk to me and I was able to tell him how proud I was of him for fighting and that I was sorry for never believing in him and that he was my hero because here he was army crawling through the trenches on his battlefield still praising God's name every day sharing God's love with everyone, never once mad or blaming God for anything and fighting. He was my hero. And I begged him not to make me plan his funeral. It's like, please, Christian, don't let me, don't make me plan your funeral. Like we will fight this. We will fight this. I was like, I know you're tired. I know you're broken, but you're worth it. And he laughed. He didn't really, he did more crying and listening than talking, but we both got a chance to tell each other we loved each other. And that was the last time I got to talk to my brother. Um, he went into rehab. He completed the 45 day program. And I am so grateful that he, that he did. Um, while he was there, he was able to write out his testimony. And I think it is something that he needed for himself. He needed to see his own heart. He needed to be reminded of who he was. And I think as a family, we needed to see because for so long, he closed himself off. So he wrote this amazing testimony that was sent to my parents. And man, it was powerful. It was powerful. And in that, he gave all God the glory, like gave God all the glory. And I was like, gosh, 
if I could have faith like that. And he inspired me to keep digging and keep fighting and keep listening for God. And he came home. He was out of rehab for one week. And I called my mom and she was like, hey, can you just send him a text? I can just tell he's not, he's not feeling the greatest. I think he's just feeling a little insecure out in society again. He's out of routine. And I was like, sure. So I sent him a text and just reminding him how proud I was of him. And I loved him. God loves him. And we're all here for him. And he said, thanks. Love you too. And uh, three days later, I got the call that he didn't make it the last time. He overdosed um, and no one could get to him in time. And that phone call was, I hit my knees and all I could scream was his name and God. And it's a pain that I can't even describe a year and a half later after processing and feeling all the emotions. A year and a half later, I sit here and I'm like, I still don't know how to describe that pain. You have your brother ripped from you forever. And then you watch your parents slowly just die in front of you. And I knew the only way I I was going to survive this is if I could continue to seek God through it. And I think there's this misconception. I read this the other day and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so beautifully put. There's this misconception when we want to feel peace with something. I think we associate feeling peace in the absence of something. So God, I will feel peace when you take this away from me. I will feel peace when this is over. But true peace is felt in the presence of someone. And that someone is Jesus. And I knew I could not let go. I could not let go. And my prayer every night was, God, hold my hand, hold my hand. I didn't even have the words to even say a proper prayer. It was, God, hold my hand. And I just would envision myself as a child, you know, and you're afraid and you grab your parents' hand and you might still feel fear, but you feel braver holding on to them because they're with you. And that was my envision. That was my prayer was just, God, hold my hand because I can't do this. Like you have to do this. I'll come with you, but I can't do it. And that prayer is still my prayer to this day. And it is still my mission to seek beauty in this, because I think that is the only way that you're going to find peace. Ooh. Okay. Hold on. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, okay. This is amazing. I, I haven't heard this part of your story. I just knew like kind of what had happened within your family. And I, I I didn't know all this and it is, I want to tell you that the beauty that I see in you sharing the story of Christian is so much, but um, I think for us on the outside who have never dealt with addiction or, um, everything that you personally have seen would be also maybe 
anger or like, why can't you just, this is your personal choice. Like some of the same things you were saying, why do you keep choosing this? But then it, it came to you after years and years, addiction is not a choice. And you were able to look at your brother and see, gosh, he must be that broken. And I think, I don't know if I can put this into words that give the words justice or Christian's life, what, what this little moment has left, but, um, the way you say how he glorified God in everything still is, gosh, it makes me have so much compassion for addicts or anybody who has these demons they're fighting because, you know, it, it doesn't make them less of a child of God or less of anyone who wants to, that desires that for themselves. And that like, that was just a part of him that didn't make him who he was. Exactly. He, he was still that, that was just one sin he was dealing with, just like we all have our own sins. And maybe to the world, it looks like a really bad one, but we all have really bad ones in God's eyes. Yes. And like, I'm so thankful that you shared that part of the story and the part where he's at rehab and has the testimony, right? Like, like within weeks of him going to meet Jesus, it, it doesn't, that shouldn't define his life. It would seem to me that that testimony and, and for your family and those who knew him, like would know that that's who he was. It wasn't how he left the world or, or that was just one of the demons that, that got him, but that didn't make him who he was. And that is, that's like such a gift that you would share that here because that's already completely opened my eyes and helps me to see this, this all so differently. And I I don't even know if I'm, I feel like I'm not even putting my words (laughs) together to give them justice, but he he was, um, I referred to him as God's warrior <laughs> in his eulogy. He fought a fight I can't even fathom and did that while sharing God's word and love with everyone. And I gave his eulogy and part of his testimony, he, he challenged us as a family to find beauty in the ashes. And I thought that was so powerful. And he ended his eulogy with, oh, I'm going to get this wrong. I forget what Bible verse it is. It's Corinthians 14, maybe verse 14. I don't know. Love is patient. Love is kind. It was his all-time favorite verse. And so he left that with us. And I knew in my heart that the only way I am going to survive this is by finding beauty in the ashes. And that beauty is God. I've got to find God through this. And love, it is so simple, yet I feel like it's the most powerful emotion we possess. And I think it's the most powerful gift we can give. I believe it's life-changing. And I... I'm learning, 
I'm not always good at it, but my message I feel um, that God is showing me is to love harder on the hardest days. And I have shared that before. Um, I actually have created a blog, A Sister of an Addict, where I have shared very vulnerable and I've shared a lot through this journey um, in hopes to, to help another Brittany out there. Someone asked me, they're like, that sounds really cool, but what does that mean? <laughs> love harder on the hardest days. And, you know, that's going to look so different for everybody. But I know for me on those hardest days where I feel anger creeping back in because our battle is not over. We are still fighting in the trenches with my older brother. We are still grieving the loss of my brother. And I don't believe that is anything you ever heal from. I think that's something you learn to, to find peace with. So it is easy to have those days and fall back into that cycle of not seeking God through it and allowing anger to creep back in. And on those days, loving harder on the hardest days means hitting my knees and finding strength on my knees with my hands folded and begging God to carry me or to hold my hand because today I can't, I can't. And I, I encourage uh, my readers and followers to do that. I have found peace in that, if that makes sense at all. It absolutely does. And I, gosh, what a seemingly simple way to look at it, love harder on the hardest days. And it is, that's not an easy thing to do. It's not, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to fall into the anger. And I I know with anyone dealing with an addiction or certainly for the family of the people dealing with the addiction, you, you take one day at a time, one moment at a time, right? So Yes. Love in the moment what you can and, and as hard as you can. I would guess that that's like your personal crusade right now. It is. It absolutely is. <laughs> I think we have seasons where you, you feel like you're killing it. You're up every morning before the house. You're getting in the word. You're moving your body. You're feeling well. And you're like, I'm killing this whole life thing. And then bam you are flat on the floor and you don't know up or down and you are back in that valley looking up and they're like how did I get back down here and my last blog entry I shared on this because I think as believers as Christians we set this expectation that okay I believe so I have to believe every single day and I have to get it right every single day and always have to have faith and always have to trust that God's plan is greater than mine. And we're human and it's not always picture perfect. And there are going to be seasons where showing up might just be through worship music or finding a quick two sentence devotional, or you're going to have seasons where you are killing it and you are starting a Bible study or you're leading a group. I don't think there is a wrong or right way, but I think God just wants to meet us where we're at. And I think when we allow him or allow ourselves, I guess, to see that, I think is when we find the true peace. I feel like we came full circle because you just said when we allow ourselves to to see God and, and feel him right then, we find the true peace. And you 
didn't even know that you had to be open to your friend in the parking lot talking about minivans. But God said, Hey, if you're not seeking me out, I'm coming to you. I'm going to find you. And that's what he does. He, he wants to find us. And, you know, I feel like in the short time I've spent with you listening to this is that that's what he continued to do over and over with Christian was just come to him and yeah and seek him out and keep because it doesn't seem like a normal thing for someone struggling with addiction to keep talking about Jesus but you know that Jesus was there with him yeah and suffering oh. Jesus hates suffering he hates it he he yeah. i mean look at his face hanging on the cross he doesn't desire that for us. And he sees it happen and it pains him. I mean, he went to the cross for that. So yeah. Yeah. With God showing up and showing us that, that peace, I think is a beautiful way for you to describe it from your journey. And that's just a small piece that you can even share with us. Um, I, I would love to know, Brittany, what, what do you think I knew you, you wouldn't look back and say this the whole time because you said you struggled with anger so much of this journey, but what would you say prepared you? Was there anything like looking back that prepared you to be strong and courageous um, for and with your family and for yourself, like for you and your husband as well and your boys? Yeah. um, I don't know if I intentionally did anything to prepare myself. But I think I kind of felt God shaking me by my shoulders a little bit. That's why I was saying, I think this whole journey started with this move to Nashville and me learning what it meant to do it afraid and trusting like, okay, I don't know where this is going, but I trust you. So making the big move, I think by obeying, I, he gave me the resources to, to prepare myself for the big blow ahead. He knew what was coming and he knew I needed to be in a better place spiritually and emotionally before it came. Nashville, <laughs> what I thought was this huge job opportunity for my husband was much, much more. It was a life-changing experience. It saved my life, honestly. It has saved my life. I think that, I guess, learning to do it afraid maybe has prepared me without knowing to hit this head on. Isn't it amazing to look at how God really does set us up and give us those tools ahead of time that he knows what we're going to need. He gives us that armor so that we are prepared. I mean, wow. Like he knew to build you up in that taking that step of courage and moving somewhere so far and so scary. And and you use the word obedience and your obedience to him in one thing gave you the resources you needed to be able to just step out and, and, and take what was being handed to you. It's just, I, I can't imagine not living our lives with faith in, in God and, and that his plan is so much better than ours, because even when it's horrible and we can't trust what's going on, we can see that he's lined the pieces up and thank you for 
for acknowledging that here and sharing that with us because I know that's not easy to share your heart and to even be able to have that much faith. Your faith is really inspiring, Brittany. Thank you. Thank you. I, I know this journey you're on is not over. It's a daily walk in faith and trust and bravery, courage. But how do you think the the daily choices you make and, and the lessons learned thus far has changed the future of your own family, your husband and your sons? Yeah. So um, a piece of advice that was given to me a couple years ago, I it was, Brittany, you have a family to take to take care of. And I was so broken. And I think I misunderstood what they were saying. I took it as you need to emotionally disconnect from everything that's going on over here so that you can be the mom and the wife. And I was like, I can't do that. Like, this is all my family. I can't emotionally detach from one to do better in the other. But what I've learned what that meant was you have to take care of yourself so that you can be there for both, if that makes sense. And I knew that if I needed change in my life, that I was the one that was going to have to make the change within me. So I think for my family, I am, I'm sure my husband would tell you, I'm way more patient, (laughs) a little more understanding. I feel more present as a wife and as a mom than I ever have. And I am grateful for that because they deserve that. And in turn, I am able to still fight this fight with the rest of my family. I think before we were addiction kind of you go in with go into it with your family all locked arms, ready to fight this fight. Next thing you know, you're all treading water in your own deep ends, thrashing around for this life preserver. And it's every man for themselves. And it's mentally and emotionally exhausting. And what I have found by allowing God to take the lead in this is that I am able to lock arms again with my family and fight this fight with my brother. I am able to, it might not be the best relationship, but have a relationship with him where I'm able to tell him daily that he is loved and that I love him. And there might be a devotional that I read that day where I'm like, I don't know if this will hit him at the right time today, but I'm going to share it. And down the road, maybe it will be something he needs to hear. Whereas before I was not able to do that. So yeah, I, I think there's something to be said about allowing God to take the lead. And when you allow him, it opens you up to be better in the roles that you're responsible for. You have just said everything so beautifully. I appreciate you opening your heart so much to us. And thank you. And yeah, thank you. I, you know, I say this throughout this whole series, but Joshua 1 9, he, he says, I command you be strong and courageous. It's a command. And he knows that for a reason, like we are to be obedient to that. And However, it shows up in our lives. He knows that things are not going to be easy. And just thank you for for being a mother and a, a woman, a, a daughter, a, a friend, 
<laughs> that can show that our world needs to see that it does. And it's awesome. I hope that this interview here is shared far and wide and just encourages so many people and opens their eyes to so many gifts from God and, and changes their perspective on having compassion for people who struggle and help us to be less angry about things that we, we don't know anything about and, and help us pass far less judgment on people and yeah what their struggles are. And, and you know, I, you showed that like Christian was, he desired to be a son of God and be like that and share the gospel. And again, it, it's just one part of who he was and, and a battle he had, but he, you, you said he was army crawling through it. I mean, he didn't want to be there, but he, he did. And I just, I know I just keep saying that, but you just, I hope that this changes everyone's perspective. Yes. My mission um, is to get his story out there. Not that I feel his testimony is greater than the next, but I feel like he's a perfect representation of all addicts that hate what they're doing, but they're sick and fight every day. It is my mission to spread awareness about addiction. And I feel Christian's testimony is so powerful. Not that I think it's greater than the next. I think his testimony is every other addict's a testimony that they are sick, they are lost, they hate themselves, but they are still a child of God and they are worthy. If it was a choice, they would not be choosing that life. So I created a blog. It is called A Sister of an Addict. And I just share in my journey about the challenges that I have faced personally with addiction and the pain and the fear and the anger and how I have slowly been able to change my views on that and truly see my brothers for who they are addiction aside. And so I, I hope that it, if it could just help one Brittany, I feel like that will make a humongous change. And that has been my goal. I can't help but to feel if I had that years ago, maybe it wouldn't have taken me so long to allow God to kind of open my eyes. Mm, that's awesome. Isn't that what it's all about? It seems we get defeated when we feel like, oh, I want to save everyone and everything. And But it's if you truly can help one person it I mean that changes so much for one person I yes I mean how cool that that girl approached you in the van <laughs> I just I keep know, thinking of that I, I got the chills story. when you said that because I knew that was going somewhere really good but yeah. I mean she was God's instrument to bring yes. you to him and make you just surrender right yeah and to this day she still does she's the ah. most precious friend I have. Um, well, I have lots of precious friends, but you know what I mean? She was definitely like, you have those moments where you're like, that was God. That was God hands down. And she was, she was that moment for me. Ah, I love it. I love yes. it so much. Um, okay. I think we could talk forever on here. I know. I know. We could. Let's end with, yes, with a lighthearted 
little question for you. And sure, then sure. I want you to share with everyone where they can connect with you, learn from you, reach out if they have any questions. And I, I hope that they will. You all, Brittany's an open book, obviously, but she's so super sweet in real life and <laughs> over on Instagram. We connected first through DMs and very authentic. And I know you can tell from her heart that she will help you all if you reach out to her and would love to just listen to you. But um, the first thing I want to do is just a lighthearted question from a together for date night uh, question from the I do category. And my question is from this sticker, do you ever secretly wish for a special talent? What? Oh, I don't even have to think about this. You're going to laugh. I wish I could sing. I wish I could sing well. (laughs) Because music moves me. It could change my mood in a minute. If I am like lacking in words for prayer and I listen to a worship song, I'm like, yes. Like, I wish I could be that person that could just bell out the words. I love it. I do not think you're crazy. I feel the same way. If I'm in the car and a good <laughs> song comes on, I'm like, oh, mama's praise hands are going up and don't listen to me sing. Yes. Oh, that's sweet. I love it. Praise him with the song and dance for sure. So Brittany, yes. tell everyone where they can camp you. And of course, read your blog. Sure. So you can find me on Instagram um, at Brit C. Lay, L-E-Y. I in my bio, you'll be able to find the link for my blog. Um, and again, it is a sister of an addict and anyone can reach out. I have connected with so many people who are, that have walked my shoes that are just, I think they just need to feel seen. And I would love to be that person to just be the sounding board. Oh, we know you would. And you're, so good at it. I will also have all of those links in the show notes for everyone to connect with you. Brittany, this has been a true pleasure. I, I have enjoyed listening to your heart and you sharing your, your story of heartache and redemption and love, strength, and especially bravery. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for um, taking the time to even listen and believing in my mission. I truly appreciate that so much. No, I absolutely believe in your mission. You're changing lives, girl. You are as as well. (laughs) You are as well. Thank you. If you love what you're gathering through these episodes, please screenshot, tag us, share with friends, and leave a review. It is the best compliment you can give us. It is so encouraging, and together we can help grow stronger families. Be sure to follow us at Together Moments on Instagram and Facebook. Leave us a DM. Check out all our incredible games and tools and your free family resources at togethermoments.com. As always, Take time to gather, together to grow, and speak the words that matter.